Well, welcome again. We are so glad that you are here this morning, and I'm so excited to be able to dive into God's Word as we continue this series, Living from the Inside Out. We've been in this series on the Sermon on the Mount, looking at Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus' words here to the people in that day. As we start this morning, I want to go a couple the little direction here. Many of you may be sports fans, and we're in the midst of football season and and baseball and NASCAR, a lot of different things going on. But in the sports world, particularly, it's often discussed of who is the greatest of all time, right? And there are many debates, discrepancies on who is the greatest of all time, depending on a particular sport that you may be talking about. Well, I was looking into and looking at some different activities and sports and things like that and thinking about this idea of who is the greatest of all time and the words that get used for some of these people who are MVPs, just amazing, astounding, above the rest, incredible. One article said this about this particular person, that they are an American hero, a national treasure, and used the word legendary. Well, many of you may be thinking of a certain particular person right now, but this is none other than Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut. Many of you may not have heard that name before this moment. Well, Joey Chestnut is famous, those words that are used of legendary and American hero for his ability to inhale hot dogs quickly. All right, so that video is from this year's Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, which the Washington Post calls the pinnacle of competitive eating in the United States. And Joey Chestnut this year, each of these competitors have 10 minutes to eat as many hot dogs with buns as you possibly can. And Joey, this year, won for the 16th time by inhaling 62 hot dogs with buns. Now, you, we're wowed by that. That is crazy, incredible, uh, how many. But that's not, that's not crazy for Joey. You see, just a couple years ago, he set the world record by eating 76 hot dogs in those 10 minutes. And he has many other accolades to his name, like he is known for, holds records for apple pie eating, deep fried asparagus, chicken wings, burritos, glazed donuts, pizza, boiled eggs, Twinkies, burgers, tacos. And that's just some of the records that he holds. So you may be sitting here and the idea of eating that many hot dogs or maybe hot dogs in general, you are completely grossed out. Or maybe some of you are like, I could go for a hot dog, <laughs> all right? We, we look at this, we look at eating contests, we uh, go to buffets. Maybe your rhythm often on Sundays is after church. You're like, yep, we're going to lunch. We're gonna go eat. It's a part of our way of life. Uh, Maybe you have a favorite food. I know for me, my family would probably say my favorite food is probably ice cream. I love ice cream. I love dessert. And like Joey, I had aspirations as a child of continuing to eat as much ice cream as I could. And I don't know who holds the record for that. Maybe Joey does. But in particular, every Labor Day, we went on a vacation. And by where we uh, camped, there was a town that had this place called the House of Flavors. All right, and they had their version of the banana split called the pig's dinner or the super pig's dinner where you got four flavors of ice cream, the banana, the whipped cream, the cherry, the whole thing. And as a young child, my brother and I were like, we can't wait till we're old enough that our parents will pay for this and we can dive into it. And if you eat the whole thing, 
you get this cool pin that says, I ate the whole pig, right? And, and I have a handful of those now. I did this over the years and loved it. So maybe for you, it's another type of food where we have no problem just eating and maybe even indulging, having these moments where you're like, I just don't know if I could eat another. I'm stuffed. And you're like, but I, I can do just a little bit more. Or there's always room for dessert, right? This is a part of our lives. We talk about our favorite foods. We talk about things that we enjoy, these meals, these places, these restaurants, and it's amazing. But what if today I said, all right, when we leave here today, I want you to not eat lunch. To, to not, to, to just take a break and not eat the next meal. Now, some of you may be sitting here right now and you're like, I miss breakfast. It's 1130. I am getting very hungry. That is ridiculous <laughs> to even think about skipping the next meal. And some of you may be sitting here and you're like, oh, okay, I, I get it now. We're going to talk about this idea of fasting. And maybe this word fasting is new, or maybe you've heard it out in the world around us. I mean, the idea of fasting, we're going to talk about the biblical viewpoint here today, but this idea of fasting is really something that's common in our everyday lives, right? The word breakfast is the combination of break fast. We wake up in the morning having not eaten since dinner the night before, and we break that fast with our next meal. That's the term breakfast. So maybe you've heard about, you know, fast fasting. Maybe you have heard of this term and it's become popular, intermittent fasting. I, I read in an article or heard this report of the International Food Information Council in 2022 said that intermittent fasting had surpassed the keto diet as the most popular diet. This idea of taking breaks a certain time of the day, or you say, I'm only going to eat these certain hours of the day, and the rest of the day, I'm not going to, or I'm only going to eat five days of the week, and I'm going to have two days that I don't. There's different ways of doing this fasting practice. But all of those books and all these talks about intermittent fasting and things you watch on the internet, there's, there's all kinds of YouTube videos of people trying to fast for a certain amount of days and they're just tracking how much weight they're losing and they're like, wow, this is an incredible practice. But today we're going to look at what Jesus, what the Bible has to say about fasting as a biblical practice. And we're going to unpack the what, the why, and the how of fasting. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, but we're going to first answer, ask and answer this question, what is biblical fasting? What is biblical fasting? Well, you can see it on your screen here, voluntarily going without food or some other normally enjoyed gift from God for the sake of a spiritual purpose. You see, fasting is a practice that is done throughout our society as, like I said, a form of dieting, a form of detoxing, all these kind of things. But biblical fasting is that it is done for a spiritual purpose. So we're in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to open in these verse 16 of Matthew chapter 6 with just these first four words from Jesus. And when you fast, when you fast. If you've been with us over these last few weeks in Matthew chapter 6, we've looked at giving and we've looked at prayer. And each time, and now fasting, each time Jesus used these, uses this word when you practice these things. 
when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. See, there's some viewpoints out there where it's like, ah, fasting is kind of an Old Testament thing. Fasting is a thing of the past. Do we really need to practice fasting? Is, that, is it that big of a deal? Well, Jesus seems to indicate here in his message and speaking to the disciples that this is going to be a regular practice. That he says, when you fast, before he gives some instructions on what this looks like. And I don't know about you, but this is not something that's really talked about a lot. And for me, it's been an interesting practice over the years. I didn't grow up hearing a lot about fasting. And throughout my adult life, have had an interesting relationship, I think you could say, with food in terms of some different diets, some different ups and downs. And maybe that's you as well. And this whole idea of fasting has your mind spinning in a bunch of different directions. And so today as we talk about fasting and how the Bible talks about fasting, this is a practice that can really be done in a healthy and good way as we focus on hungering for God and all that he has for us in our lives. That when we take this break from food, when Jesus says, when you fast, and we pause this regular rhythm of our life that is the next meal, that is the next opportunity to eat, it's an opportunity for us to be reminded of how much we need God for every part of our lives. So that's the what. Biblical fasting is this time that we set aside voluntarily to focus on a spiritual purpose of hungering for God, of chasing after him. But why would we do this? Why would we practice fasting? There are a ton of reasons given throughout scripture. And if you get into a couple of books, you can, you can have a whole list and a whole big, long list of reasons. I want to look at four or five here today and some passages that go along with them. And you're going to see these up on the screen. You can jot down the verses that go with them. And the first one is strengthening prayer. In Ezra chapter 8, it says, So we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. Many commentaries and, and books that talk about fasting will all even say or use, be strong enough to say, prayer and fasting always go together. That sure, you could fast like we're talking about for dietary reasons, but when we're talking about spiritual purposes, this is linked to prayer. Some have even used this passage here in Matthew chapter 6 to call this the great trifecta of giving, prayer, and fasting, that these pieces are all part of our worship and all go together. But in here, as Ezra talks about, there's this strengthening of our prayer. We fasted and we implored. We took that time to beg God, and it says, and he listened to our entreaty. Another reason is a response to grief. In 1 Samuel chapter 31, it says, and they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh and fasted seven days. This is after Saul and his sons have died in battle, been killed in battle, and it says they took their bones and they buried them and they fasted seven days. Fasting is often a practice when after a time of loss or deep grief. And there may be even moments where this is a natural response to this grief, that you lose your sense of appetite. But there's also this aspect, in this case in particular, of a group of people sharing in this moment of grief together and taking on this, this fast and this way in which of coming alongside of someone and fasting along with them in a season, in a moment of grief. 
Next, there's expressing repentance and returning to God. We see this in 1 Samuel chapter 7. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And in Jonah chapter 3, if you know the story of Jonah, he's called to go to Nineveh to preach to these people that are just fully against God, and they turn their lives around. And here's what it says in Jonah chapter 3. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, from his ro- or removed his robe, covered himself with a sackcloth and sat in ashes and he issued a proclamation and publishing throughout, through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. The people of Nineveh fasted and begged God for mercy and repented and turned from their evil ways, as it says there, and from the violence that was in their hands. They fasted and implored, went before God because of their sin. Then we jump to the New Testament and we see Jesus practice a fast in Matthew chapter four, just a couple chapters before we're at right now. Matthew chapter four, it says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. This is right after Jesus has been baptized and he's getting ready to carry out the work that God has called him to here on earth, preparing for the work, the, the ministry that God has called him to. And he takes 40 days to fast and then is tempted by the devil after this fast as well. Just an incredible story there. Then as we come to the New Testament church, the early church, they pray before making some important decisions. And we see this in Acts chapter 13 and 14. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And in Acts chapter 14, when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So fasting in biblical terms is done for the whole bunch of things. And like I said, this isn't an exhaustive list. There are a ton more reasons and scriptures that we could go to of why people fasted throughout scripture. And every time, as I gave this biblical definition of fasting, biblical fasting is for a spiritual purpose. Whether that's going to God for on behalf of someone else, whether that's repentance, whether that's grief, There's a purpose that goes with this in hungering after God and drawing closer to him. And paired with prayer often brings these incredible rewards, as we'll talk about in just a minute, that that people go before God and they pair this with fasting and prayer together. And God works in an incredible way because of practicing this discipline before God. So thirdly, how do we fast? Well, if you're not still there, turn back with me to Matthew chapter 6. I want to read together verse, the whole of verse 16 as Jesus gives us some ways in which to do this. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Don't be like the hypocrites. 
If you're with us over these last couple weeks, this is Jesus going after them again. Why? Because they're practicing these disciplines for the wrong reasons. Once again, it's not that they're being hypocritical because they said, we'll fast and then don't do it. Just like giving, where they give to be noticed for their generosity by how they give. Just like prayer, where they're doing it to be noticed for their words and how they're looking before everyone else, standing in the street and all that kind of stuff. Now we come to fasting and he says, you see these hypocrites? Why are they fasting? So that people see, man, look at those guys being all spiritual. Man, look at how they're practicing this. And you, it doesn't take much. If you have kids, this gloomy, distorted face, you know this face, right? You, you may even experience, if your kids are in kids ministry right now, you're probably thinking, I'm gonna experience this in about 15 minutes. Even if they had a snack, even if they had breakfast, you're gonna go pick them up and it's like, when are we gonna eat again? I'm so hungry. I, I just, I don't, I can't, I can't even get along. I just need my next piece of food. But let's face it, adults do the same thing, right? We even have a word for it. What do we call it? I'm hangry. I'm hungry and I'm angry. I am hangry. And this was even popularized by Snickers about a decade ago. You're not you when you're hungry. You see these funny moments where somebody's like, ah, I'm just not feeling it. And they're like, here, have a Snickers. You're not you when you're hungry. And it's like, better, better. All right, so we get this picture you're not you when you're hungry. And he says, Jesus goes, no, 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 no. That's, that's what these hypocrites are doing. They're taking this moment going, oh, you know, I'm just doing a fast, just trying to be spiritual. And in Luke 18, we talked about this briefly a couple weeks ago, the, the tax collector and the Pharisee standing at the temple and the tax, I mean, the Pharisee says, I fast twice a week. Look at me. And the tax collector's like, I'm not gonna talk about that. Woe is me. I, people don't need to know about my fast. I want to do it before God. So what does Jesus say to do instead? Let's pick up at verse 17. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. <laughs> Those might seem like some silly almost instructions, but it's in contrast to what these hypocrites are doing. And like the Old Testament times where they're putting ash and sackcloth on, they're making very clear. They're, they're looking just grim and rough and going and all like, oh, clearly you're going through a fast right now. And Jesus goes, no, you, you don't need any of that. Wash your face. Make, get, be all cleaned up. Be your regular, normal self. Anoint your head. This would be like the regular practices of perfume or using oils and things like that. And in particular, if you've ever tried fasting or know people who've tried fasting, your body does go through a little bit of a time of detox and there can be a little body odor or you might have a little bad breath. And so Jesus is like, you don't, you don't need extra help in drawing attention here to yourself. So wash your face, anoint your head, practice your regular rhythms, because this isn't about other people knowing. This is about doing it before God. And that's what he says here in verse 18, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. We want to act and be normal in the eyes of everyone around us. And it does, we don't want people to be like, ah, you know, I'm just going through a fast. Sorry, I can't, I can't eat, you know, today. You know, I'm sorry. I can't, just apologetic or like making it a thing of like, 
No, you want your life to just be carried on like normal. And certainly you may work in an environment or be at a place where somebody might notice that you're not eating a meal or not, you know, whatever, but it's, no, it's, it's okay. You just, um, I'm not, you know, not, not eating right now. It's totally fine. And most people are going to let it go and let it off because the reality is we want to do this before God. And it says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. We want to do this in such a way that it's solely before God. I like the way uh, Joshua used the message to paraphrase earlier this morning, and I want to go there in this passage, and I think it really gives it some good plain language. It says this, when you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normal outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you're doing. He'll reward you well. We don't, we don't want to do this to get noticed by other people. Because like this says, it might, you might get people being like, wow, well done. I, and I wish, I wish I, fasting was something that I did. I wish that was a regular practice. Of like, you're, that is incredible, spiritual, that you would do that. That you would take a break from a meal. And we'll talk about some other things that you could take a break from as well. But wow, kudos to you. That's amazing. That's not the reward we're looking for. The reward is from God and him alone. And I love the way John Stott says this. The purpose of fasting is not to advertise ourselves, but to discipline ourselves. Not to gain a reputation for ourselves, but to express our humility before God and our concern for others in need. If these purposes are fulfilled, it will be reward enough. There's an incredible reward in a closeness with God and a hungering after him and going before him on behalf of others. That is an incredible piece of this prayer and fasting together is how it often can remind you of things that you need to be lifting before God in prayer. And oftentimes those rewards will come in answered prayer. And it may not be instantaneous. This isn't some magic formula like like we've talked about these last couple weeks with prayer and giving. It's not like, okay, we did the prayer, we did the giving, and now we're throwing in fasting. Boom, there's the results. Sometimes God gives results in that way, but sometimes it's not like that. But we still want to practice these disciplines of praying, giving, and fasting because it's truly hungering after God and what he wants for our lives. So what does this look like? What, what does this tangibly look like in each of our lives? Well, we've been talking all morning here this morning about how the Bible talks about biblical fasting in this sense of giving up food, setting aside times where you go, I'm going to not eat a meal or certain types of food or uh, for multiple days. And you might be hearing some of this and you're like, Honestly, this sounds a little wild. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm ready to get into all this. And you're like, you mentioned Jesus and Moses doing a 40-day fast. Is that, if that's, if that's how this works, like, I don't know. Like, you know, and so I'm going to, all full pun intended, don't bite off more than you can chew. This is, this is about starting into a practice as we're talking about food where you maybe just pass a meal by with the full intention of focusing on God and being in tune with him in that moment. And this may go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. It has to be a meal that is important to you. 
If you're like, I never eat breakfast, cool, I'll just keep doing that. <laughs> that's, that's not what we're going for. In fact, I read one author who said it this way, if it doesn't matter to you, it doesn't matter to God. That if you're just like, ah, I'll just skip that meal, no big deal, that's not what this is about. It's truly taking that time that you would normally you know, spend on getting the groceries and preparing that meal and having that meal and all of that to say, you know, I'm gonna set aside this time. And as my hunger pains, my stomach growls, and I'm ready for that food to go, oh, what is God trying to show me right now? And you're reminded of his presence. You're reminded of his, all that he is in your life and that we need him in every way. That our bodies rely on food to be sustained but we, we want to hunger and rely on God even more. That with a fast, we're saying, God, I want more of you. I depend on you. You supply everything for my life. And I want to go before you on behalf of others. I want to come before you with repentance. I want to come before you in this moment of grief and pull back from food in this case. But I want to go another direction for just a couple minutes. Might poke a couple, uh, step on a few toes here. Some of you, would gladly go a whole day or multiple days without food before you'd set down your phone for five minutes. Or would step away from social media or some other, as I talked about, normally enjoyed gift from God. Food is an incredible gift from God. Our current modern day technology is a gift, I believe. But if we're not willing to say, God, I want you more than this thing. And, and when we, similar to hunger pains, I'm sure many of you have experienced this. You lose your phone for a few moments. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Or, oh, I'm not caught up on social media. I wonder what's going on out in the world or whatever. To go, no, I'm going to set this aside and take this time to focus on God. I'm going to take a break from this part of my normally enjoyed gift and focus on all that God is. So it may be food, it may be social media, it may be lots of other normally enjoyed gifts from God. If, if you wanna get, like go into even biblical examples, 1 Corinthians 7 gives the example of the gift of sex and even fasting from that for a, a time that you and your spouse talk about. These incredible, beautiful gifts from God that you can set aside for focusing on him saying, God, I want more of you, and I fully depend on you. I hunger and thirst for you and your righteousness and all that you are. It's, it's incredible, and it's beautiful moments. So how do we start this? How do we practice this? This is for you and between you and God and what this looks like for you. Some of you may have tried this in the past, and you're ready to take some next steps and go, yeah, I want to fast for, for more, for longer, for different ways. I want to try this in different ways. But some of you maybe have never tried this practice before, and you want to start with a meal, or you want to start with certain types of food. If you look at the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1, it talks about how he and the guys that he was with fasted and uh, only had vegetables and water didn't eat the king's food and wine, and so maybe that's it. And then later in Daniel chapter 10, it talks about a time where he didn't have delicacies and, uh, you know, wine and things like that, so maybe it's you want to pass on dessert for, that could be a long season for that matter, but not just because it's like, I do want to get more healthy, but to truly think with food, when it sounds, that sounds good. Oh, I could go for that, to go, you know what? I want God more in this moment, or to be reminded, you know what? I hunger for God more than this small thing 
in our lives, to truly focus on what he has for us. I want to give us one more passage of scripture related to this as well, because what can happen sometimes is we start talking about fasting, and maybe you've had some conversations about fasting and with other people and things, and, and then you start to hear stories about people fasting and doing it certain ways and things that where certain people give up, or, you know, I do a liquid-only fast, or I do the Daniel fast, I do this fast, and you can start to compare and think to yourself one of two ways. Either I should be doing more, I wish I could fast like this person, or like we talked about the Pharisees earlier, the hypocrites here, you're like, yeah, I'm doing this practice, and like, I think I'm doing pretty, pretty great. We want to focus on this is between you and God and what he's doing in your life. So I love how Romans 14 talks about this. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. And jumping down to verse six, the one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Fasting is about voluntarily giving up this food or these other normally enjoyed gifts of God for the sake of hungering after him. Not to compare with other people, not to feel more spiritual about ourselves or our condition before God and other people, but truly to just say, God, I want more of you. And I recognize I need you in every part of my life. I depend on you in every part of my life. Or God, I'm coming before you on behalf of someone else. I don't want to set aside this time that I would normally spend eating. I would normally spend on social media. I would normally spend doing this fun thing that you have given to me because I hunger for what you have for me. I want to honor you, God, in this moment. And I'm asking you on behalf of someone else or thing that's going on in your life, you fast and you pray for what God has for that moment. Truly hungering after what he has in your life, for your life. I want to close this morning with a quote from John Piper in his book, A Hunger for God. And this book is from 1997. And uh, the reality is, there's not a lot of cur- like recent books that have come out on fasting and biblical fasting. There's chunks of different books and things like that. And I, my wife and I were talking about this, and I said, well, the reality is, it's hard to sell books on fasting in a fast food world. We live in a society where food and and fast food and all these things are coming at us all the time and our lives are filled with all sorts of little things just flying at us, flying at us, flying at us. When we need to truly pause and say, God, I want more of you. And so Piper says it this way, the more deeply you walk with Christ, the hungrier you get for Christ. If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it's not because you've drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because you've nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things, and there's no room for the great. God did not create you for this. There's an appetite for God, and it can be awakened. I invite you to turn from the doling effects of food and the dangers of idolatry and say with some simple fast, This much, oh God, I want you. This topic of fasting, this idea of fasting may seem like, "Ah, what do I really do with all this? But truly, it's a practice that we can all 
try out in our lives. And I encourage you, no matter where you are on your journey, to give this a try with food, with others, some normally enjoyed gift of life, gift that God has given, and put it aside for a little bit of time to say, this much, oh God, I want you. That as we are in this series, living from the inside out, and as Stott talked about, as we do this inward work, it's not so other people see us, it's not so that other people cheer us on and are like, way to go you for doing that fast, but so that we're truly hungering for God, saying, God, I want more of you. I want to hunger and thirst and to drink deeply of all that he is in our lives. Let's pray together. God, we come and we are grateful for all that you bless us with in our lives. You have given us all of the incredible gifts of life and we talk about food and we think of the beautiful gift of food, but we, you have given us this practice, this discipline of fasting to pause and just truly say, God, I want more of you. To not do this to be seen by other people, but to truly come before you as you see us practicing fasting, that you bring the reward, you bring the answer, you bring your closeness, you bring all that you are as we just hunger and thirst after you. So help us to have a hunger, an appetite that is so for you more than anything in this world that we would long after you and what you have for us and that we would live for your name and your glory with every part of our lives. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen.